0: Hello friends, welcome back to another episode of the TFC Audio Project. On today's episode, I chat with Phil Evans. Phil is a super interesting guy. He's a shoemaker, he's a father, and someone who has a super intriguing story to share with the world. Uh, We have a great conversation talking about how he got into shoemaking, uh, and also with his experience taking a different path when it comes to educating his kids. I found his perspective very interesting, uh, and it definitely makes you think twice about sending your kids to conventional schools. Really enjoy the chat and hope you do too. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by TFC app. With a constantly expanding tribe of foot nerds around the world, we set out to create a platform that allows our community of health nerds to share our learning journey with others and to inspire people around the world to live a more natural lifestyle. Only you can be the author of your health story, and we wanted to create a free app that delivers you the information, guidance, and inspiration needed to reconnect with health. You can access the app by visiting the footcollective.app. That's a website. Um, And you can then have the option to use either the web-based version of the app or to download the iOS version. We don't have the resources to optimize an Android version right um, right now, but we plan to offer that eventually. The app contains videos, podcasts, blogs, book suggestions, and recipes that have been curated or created by our team of nerds. The goal with the app is to curate the best content from the web and give you clarity for your health process while also not selling your data or plastering advertisements everywhere. So it's a slow, gradual evolution, um, but we're you know, we determined to turn it into a really powerful platform that's available to everyone for free forever. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by the Roasters Pack. Our team at TFC Head Office are big fans of coffee before 11 a.m. And this Canadian company gives you a subscription service that gives you three great coffees, um, delivered to your door each month and tells you the story behind each of the craft roasters that the individual beans come from check out the roasterspack.com, use the code foot at checkout and you'll get seven month, seven bucks off your first month of any subscription last but not least this episode is sponsored by our travel partner nanook protective hard cases which we use to transport gear to and from our seminars and workshops they make super high quality hard cases in Canada that can keep your stuff safe during travel. And you can check out what they've got at nanuk.com, N-A-N-U-K.com. That's it for sponsors, so let's dig into this episode. Hope you enjoy. It's the TFC Audio Project. It's a collective effort. Help people understand their bodies, starting at the feet are the gateway for people to see that there's an issue. You know, a foot conversation is always a whole body conversation. Hello, folks. Nick here, back for another episode of Health Conversations. And uh, today we've got a special treat for everyone. Uh, we're just, are we north of Sydney right now? Yeah, just north, yeah. So we're just north of Sydney, wrapping up the Australian seminar tour uh, to kick off in January 2020. And today's guest on the podcast is Phil Evans. And uh, I think I'll let Phil introduce himself because he's got a very unique story. And we're going to cover a couple different things that have contributed to that unique story today. Um, you know, we're going to talk about his barefoot running journey. He's been on this a long time and uh, the story of how he got into it is very interesting. Uh, We'll talk about Bear Human Tribe, which is his tag on Instagram, and his journey with crafting footwear. And then probably the most interesting thing that we've been having conversations about is um, the concept of unschooling and basically giving his kids what I would consider to be a real human education instead of this um, kind of artificial manufactured education that is uh, common culture right now. So Phil, thanks for... Uh, that was an amazing meal you just had for us. or you just prepared for us? Uh, we had a good day of kayaking in manly with the kids. I think when you hang out with little kids that are just balls of energy and limitless questions, um, it makes you feel like a kid. and I had a blast. So thanks for thanks for having us today and touring us around. And uh, why don't you start by just letting people know who you are, what you're about, and uh, and then we'll we'll kind of get into a couple different topics.
1: Cool. Thanks, Nick. Um, so I'm Phil and. Um I'm a human, uh, a father, <laughs> a husband, a barefoot runner, shoemaker, and educator and student at the same time, I think. Powerful. So um, I guess the story started, um, like a lot of people, as an injured runner. and uh, this about a face the way from your mouth. There you no, go, sorry.
0: You're good, you're good. So you,
1: you're good. So are you able to edit or something afterwards? or i no, uh, just do them live. All right, cool. People <laughs> like a better one. it's live. <laughs> cool. yep. Sorry, that's me. Um, so, uh, yeah, so uh, injured runner. You know right. so I, I
0: identify myself as a runner for the last 20 years the first 10 years were like what got you into running in the first place like when how long have you been running full stop like it doesn't matter injured runner history or runner period what got you into it and how long have you been running for so running for 20 years the
1: start was stress outlet for the final exams in my degree that was cool. that, that was what got me going i remember running around Salford city centre yep in my trainers trying <laughs> to become a runner so right. Very and, cool. and and thinking back, and what I know now, sort of even the, back then, battling some of the, um, the the issues that runners face these days, I had chin splints. The first few few sort of uh, runs that I went out, I remember doing that. I was running in crazy hmm. Nike Air Max right. uh, <laughs> trainers at the time, um, and obviously I hadn't done a lot of uh, a lot of exercise during my degree, really. So I was sort of getting my body back used to, and not even that condition.
0: Hmm. Cool. So that's funny. Is I think a lot of people use running as a stress outlet, and I think. You know the human body has these really cool mechanisms to tell you you're doing something you should be doing and i think um you know this ability for something like running to buffer stresses right i mean the sad part is that the physical stress that most runners apply by running in ways that maybe aren't uh, aligned with our biology kind of ends up counteracting that but i think a lot of people gravitate towards running as a mental and a physical stress buffer where it allows you to tolerate the stresses of for example exams or a thesis or whatever it might be um by just having an outlet to clear your mind to challenge the body to tune it to make sure that it doesn't break down right with all the sitting and Mm -hmm. um and so it's interesting i've I've heard a couple people have a similar story about why they got into running and most of them was i didn't do it to to race i did it because it was an outlet for me to actually stay sane um and at the same time keeping myself you know healthy um, by pushing Mm -hmm. the body physically
1: yeah no and I found, I found actually with with a bit of practice I actually became quite proficient at it, so you know I started to enjoy it, and I was getting the endorphin rushes and stuff. but at some point along that journey um I started to develop um knee pain and mm-hmm. um that manifested then as i t band issues that I then battled for for the following sort of ten years really hmm. and um you know I tried every single thing that them sort of modern conventions and state of the art were telling me to do orthotics. I was lucky enough to work at university then so um I could visit the podiatry section there and um, I got some custom made orthotics done. I was getting weekly massages, exercises. I was diagnosed with a leg length discrepancy, <laughs> you know, all the sort of standard stuff. And uh, But just nothing was working at all. Um, and then, you know, sort of a chance encounter with a, an, an article in Runner's World got me thinking about foot strike and uh, played around with that a little bit, made a bit of progress. So I knew I was onto something. Um, and sort of up the mileage for a while, but then the the issues came back. During that time, I'd sort of become more mindful and started to read a bit more about technique and um, the concept of running barefoot, at least in minimal shoes. Kind of was was the seed had been sown, and that uh, I, I was out on one run and I remember it distinctly. Um, it was a, it was a five second choice. Then the IT band came back, issue came back, and I just decided I was going to take my shoes off leave them by the side of the road, come back to pick them up later and um, run home in my bare feet and see what it did. And um, that was it. That was the f- that five-second decision, <laughs> that thing everyone does
0: every single day. That's crazy.
1: Ended up being a permanent decision for me. And so
0: that run that you went on where you left your shoes there, like... Did you have any issues? Like, what did, it, what, what did it feel like? How was it different?
1: Well, so I kept my socks on because I was
0: concerned that I was going to hurt my feet.
1: Um, <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, I soon realized that actually running in your bare feet is just not a big deal at all. Um, right. you know, e- even a few minutes in, you're like, actually, wait a minute. Okay, there's the odd stone. But basically, you know, this feels okay. And, and definitely, um, my knee was thanking me for it. Um, it it was. It was. A,
0: it was f- phenomenal difference. See, and it's it's very counterintuitive because people assume that you put cushioning on top of your foot and it it reduces the impact forces of running. Right, cushioning is to cushion your landing, and it's always one of those things where people fail to realize that your body takes into account the cushioning and then adapts accordingly. And one of the ways it adapts is that actually heals it actually strikes the ground significantly harder because now it has the luxury of doing that. It starts to impact your heel on the ground as a first contact point, which eliminates your Achilles as being a you know a shock absorber, a very potent one, not just to absorb the impact forces, but to also store them and re-release them. So you become more efficient when you actually use these beautiful springs nature gave us. Um, But but the cost of cushioning is that you eliminate those mechanisms. And you know your heel might not hurt when you slam it into the ground but all the impact forces that you get by not using the natural springs go up to the next joints in line which are the ankle and the knee and the hip eventually and you know those impact forces work their way up all the way to the base of your head in a very short period of time but but it basically kicks the bucket down the road because you don't get it in the moment Mm -hmm. right you get the itises after and you get them in places that are away from the foot And so it's this kind of separation where if you take a reductionist approach and just look, oh, your knee hurts or your IT band hurts. Well, let's treat that. You never actually get to the root cause of what's happening. Exactly. And it's one of those things that um, and then since that day, like have you just kept up with the barefoot running and have kind of progressively just kept going with it? Because it sounds like it's going quite well and you still do it yeah man totally so I can hand on heart say 10 years injury free so wow that's so that is insane oh
1: man honestly it's and the thing is you when you become a runner you get addicted to the high you love the sensation when you get injured it gets you so down and it affects other aspects of your life as well for sure it's devastating it makes you a miserable swine you know you're just moaning about it you're moping around you want to get out running you can't and and that that change was just it, it completely changed my approach to um to run in and other aspects of my life as well, things started to make sense beyond the feet. When you start to challenge Mm -hmm. um, the convention, you start to think differently about lots of aspects of life.
0: Very interesting. Yeah, you realize that, oh, wow, the story that's been told to me my whole life by really smart people who have fancy degrees turned out to be something that didn't actually hold true. And personal experience is a beautiful form of research. People underestimate that, right? I think appeal to authority. These are the smart people. These are the experts. I need to do what they say. Um, But when you keep doing the same thing and nothing improves, you need to change something and sometimes personal experience or taking ownership for being your own scientist and doing some personal experimentation and just being open minded to trying things. Mm -hmm. I think is something that if more people did that, they would discover for themselves what truly works and what doesn't and uh, and sometimes eliminating. These things we cover our feet with that affect the way our feet function. And, you know, we talk about it in the seminar like your feet affect your whole body. They're your contact point to the ground. They relay a huge amount of sensory input to your brain to guide optimal movement. And if they're not able to function properly because the clothing you put on top of them is, you know, something that was made to, With the thought process that we can outsmart the natural biology, Mm -hmm. but in actual fact, detract away from our natural, these beautiful natural mechanisms for shock absorption, um, we run into problems. And I think the issue is there's so much money in footwear with these big companies. Everyone wears shoes. And if Nike can sell the newest, hottest technology, they make a lot of money. And part of that money they put into marketing so that everyone just is stuck in this carousel of well this is what you find in shoe stores this is what i'm told to wear supportive um, motion control cushion all that kind of stuff and so it's really you have to be the person that decides to go off the beaten path and discover it yourself or find those you know quote unquote weirdos in in, in the current culture that are um, helping people just see that y- you have everything you need to run properly um it's not to say that everyone can dish their shoes and go for a run and be completely fine because we've simply just yeah, gotten deconditioned and far away from those patterns. But um, and I, that's probably a good segue to talk about shoes because um, you know not only did he, <laughs> it's funny the guy that discovered that he didn't need shoes for running is now someone that makes footwear. <laughs> so how did that start? Like how did you begin this quest to to make footwear? What was the impetus for that? And um, you know how has that come along since then? And where do you see it going in future? So it would probably be
1: worth taking a step back to so how I got into footwear. Um, so basically, um, I sort of had this barefoot running epiphany, realized mm-hmm. the importance of bare feet and realized the importance of good biomechanics in my own function. And at the same point, um, my eldest daughter needed a first pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. So I questioned to myself, wait a minute, am I going to let this child get busted up and wrecked? to then go through this process I've gone through to then fix herself by discovering all she needs to do is stay how she is right now. Yeah. So it's like, wait a minute, can we not get this right from the start? Right. So I started to then do a bit of research about kids' feet and realized they, were, they weren't they were miniature versions of adults' feet. They go through different stages as they're developing. You've got different yep. numbers of, of bones and far greater amount of cartilage, which makes them susceptible to ill-fitting shoes. Um. So it was like, whoa, wait a minute. So, I'd, so I did some research and I found some manufacturers that... um. That produce kids' shoes that kind of tick the boxes that I think we both agree which are a wide toe box, a flexible sole, um, no heel raise, and uh, you know, and for kids in particular, a breathable, up, breathable upper as well, because they're right. such sweaty little feet. Um, There's far more sweat glands in a kid's foot than um, in a baby's foot than than an adult's foot.
0: Interesting, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, so if you ever change in a child's nappy or diaper uh, to feel a feet, man, they're constantly sweaty. Wow. Um, so um so yeah so challenge this I identified some manufacturers bought some shoes for my daughter and hey presto we're you know we're moving along i'm still um you know doing my barefoot running but people are starting to notice my daughter's shoes because the cool, the shoes look cool mm-hmm. um but they also promoted natural foot development so any opportunity i had to talk to people about this i sort of told them you know the, the sort of some of the truths about um, modern footwear
0: right and and that's important they do have to look if they look strange if they don't look good and it's weird how our context of what looks strange like you you wear vibrams and people are like those are weird but they look exactly like feet and so it's like yeah they look like feet because that's what i'm covering um but but you're right they have to be for things to truly take off and people to start to accept them in the common culture they have to look in a way that doesn't put people off mm-hmm. um and so i think the look you know i always tell people it's function first hands down but Uh, the aesthetic of the shoe is actually a lot of times what determines whether it gets adopted or not hey folks sorry for that little tech glitch um memory card ran out of space but we got another one phil had another one on hand which is great um so we finished off by talking about how if natural shoes are going to be adopted if people are gonna in the mainstream are going to be looking at these seriously they have to look good um and so you were kind of talking about how okay now people started to look at your daughter's shoes and start to ask questions Um, and so where'd you go from there? You know, people are asking you questions and where did that road lead you?
1: So people are
0: asking me questions,
1: um, about the shoes. They like the shoes. Um, it gave me an opportunity then to sort of share the insight that I'd had into children's footwear and, and, what, you know, my sort of preferences were for them, um, turned out then that family members started to ask me to order uh, shoes, similar ones for cousins, for Hmm. nephews, nieces or whatever. So I was ordering quite a few pairs. But I kept coming up against this same issue of either no stock or really bad web experience or really bad customer service. And, um, you know, the way you sort of sit down, you're doing these things at night when you're both working and uh, sat beside my wife and uh, saying, you know, I'm ordering these shoes, but this is just not good. It's just not good. And eventually the idea came, why don't I actually go ahead and try and um you know get something started and sell these shoes myself. Cool. So I identified an opportunity and thought, yeah, let's let's give it a go. Passionate about it, so let's do it. Amazing. Yeah man. So um so that's where I, I'm not sure if we mentioned this yet, but that was where then the the um the, you know, that's, no, that's, so I'm in the dentist then. Yes, yeah, yeah, I'm in the dentist and um, it's the coolest thing. I'm in the dentist. I'm sat there. I'm trying to keep the kids entertained while I'm waiting. I've got my legs sort of one leg crossed over the other so you can see the sole of my left foot. And a guy across in the waiting room says, are those Vivo Barefoots? And I'm like, yeah, the Vivo Barefoots. And he's like, oh, that's interesting. I'm a shoe agent. I used to work for sketches and now I'm a shoe agent. And... Um, I was like, "Cool!" So we started this conversation, and uh, turns out that um, Lee um, knew Andy, who'd started um, f- recently started Freet Footwear.
0: Cool, yeah. Shout out to Freet because we—it's um, like deja vu. We're trying to figure out what we had already said because the memory card <laughs> went out. But but Freet had actually recently sent me a couple of pairs of footwear. Uh, one of them, I th- believe, was called the Modus. But really impressed with the shape and the craftsmanship, and. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's nice to see more and more manufacturers. I still try and test every, or I still do test every single company that um, approaches us mm-hmm. and try the shoes out and make sure that not only are they functional for the foot, uh, but that they're also made well and there's a cool story behind the brand. They're doing it for the right reasons and uh, free definitely seemed to kind of fit that category. Um, so shout out to them and they're just another, another brand that we can add to the kind of repertoire of directing people to uh, for companies that align with the mission of making functional footwear that doesn't mess up your feet but also making them um well making them with responsible manufacturing um and so you start talking to this guy. He turns out to be uh, a rep for Freet, And then and then what happens? That's right. So
1: so he says, do you want to try some? So I'm like, cool, free shoes. Yeah, of course, cool, so I'll give nice. it a go. So, uh, so I get some of the first, um, first sort of uh, prototype shoes that they, they'd made out in China. Um, so he said, don't expect them to last that long, but just let me know what you think. So I tried them out, and they were absolutely brilliant. They were cool. really, really good. So they, rather than being five fingers, they're actually the ones he sent me, his original design was a four plus one. So that was allowing the big toe, the great toe, to be free, and, hmm. and keeping the other four together. I didn't find any particular change in terms of my foot strike or any you know problems with that and I sort of said you know um sorry that was the door slamming (laughs) (laughs) and um so so, you know so brilliant I'd sort of highly recommend them um Andrew's definitely improved um, the product since then and I've tested a few pairs since then. I can honestly, you know, hand on heart recommend them. The price point's brilliant, the quality's brilliant and the shoe functions really, really well. And subsequently, um, he started now to do kids' shoes as well, which is really, really good. Amazing. Amazing. So anyway, back in the dentist room, I'm, uh, I'm talking to Liam, we're sharing our uh, common interest, and it um, turns out he's a shoe agent also for a brand called Boggs, which you might be feeling familiar with, They're from North America, mm-hmm. and um, in particular the, the, the baby Boggs, the younger kids' feet, uh, wellies, are, um, are barefoot friendly. Um, so Lee um, sort of mentioned this and let, we exchanged numbers. Turned out he was, lived in my village as well, which is a real handy thing. <laughs> That's and, awesome. um, and that was kind of the start. You know, it was, an in, it, was a, it was a foot in the door to being able to access stock and be able to buy some stock. So we exchanged some more um, messages and, and calls. And then I approached some other um, of the manufacturers, the agents for the manufacturers that I have been buying for my daughter. I was able to buy some stock and that was it. i started, used Shopify, cool. got on, got online, built a website, super
0: quick, super easy. Powerful Shopify, we uh, use them too. They're no. actually, they're actually headquarters are based in Ottawa yeah. and they're <laughs> like, it's definitely one of the most intuitive companies in terms of starting a web store because they just make it very easy and they give you a, a pretty deep array of of things that you can do if you want to get fancy with apps and stuff like that. So um, amazing! So you started up a Shopify store, and was it just kids? Was it kids' shoes? Just kids. Just cool. kids. So, um, so yeah, so I started that up in about 2012.
1: Built it up over each year, you know. Sort of, it was a side hustle. I was still working at the time, so I was just putting all of the the profit back into building the stock up. With, eventually, with the viewpoint that um, you know that that it would become my sort of main income. Um, mm-hmm. So, so that sort of built built that up. Um, But then the the sort of next stage in the story came along. So, how did I become a shoemaker? Right. Well, um, so and how did we get to Australia? Uh, Exactly. Yeah, mate. So, um, so, so the the amazing woman that was sat beside me on the sofa that helped me decide to start selling shoes also then gained a promotion and relocation to Australia with her work. Cool. Um, So you know the the, op- the option was posed to us we had a family vote we all voted in favor and that was
0: it you know it oh, was, i love that you did a vote with the whole family that's oh, amazing
1: sat around the table everybody said their piece and then we uh we all voted in favor so that was it cool and uh, and our family motto has become life's bi- life's one big adventure so let's go you know what i mean that's yes, it and that was etta, that. etta the youngest one she coined that and that's it you know so the uh, youngest one coined that absolutely that's yeah. amazing so um so no it was cool um so that's it, we end up in Australia and Joanne starts to work, starts doing really well and I'm out with the kids exploring, we're not in school at this point, um, so we've got three days and we're exploring this new city that we've landed in and um, I'm driving down the Parramatta Road, heading towards the city centre and I see on my left, school of footwear and it's like, whoa, what's that? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. so, um, so I'll pull in, park up and uh, head into the store with the three kids and I meet Darren Bischoff there and... Um, had a conversation with him, told him about what I was into, what I was interested in doing. And he was like, it was, you know, when you meet you meet certain people in life and you just know you hit it off straight away. And he was just one of those people. And really? he said, yeah, I've got, I've got a new cohort starting in a couple of months. Give me a number. I'll call you back. And uh, he called me back, signed up. And um, and that was where then I started to then, I uh, started the classes. And after that first class, man, I knew that
0: this was, you know, wow, my thing. Wow, powerful. That's amazing.
1: You know, I'd go in and it just, it's like the smell. The feel, the you know, everything, talking shoes for three hours, man, it's just, um,
0: it's brilliant. So they basically go through manufacturing techniques. Um, like what do they cover? What did what did you cover in those first couple times?
1: So the uh, first couple of times you're learning things. You're learning about the construction of a shoe, okay. um, which obviously we might not necessarily agree with all of the traditional components of a shoe being, you know, the, the, the mindset that we have towards footwear. But it's interesting to to hear the history. For sure, and, and you got to know the history out. to put things into context, of course, man. So um, so that, that that was really interesting, and just getting used to the materials and the processes. So in in his his um, his school, which is a small, small sort of workshop area, um, he's got the full uh, sort of process um of shoe-, shoe making process from start to finish awesome so you can try each of the different shoes and he starts you off on sandals so you learn the leather cutting techniques and you learn about gluing and you learn about folds and buckles and hmm. and measuring a foot and getting the, the fit right and um you know all those sorts of things until so you after uh, you know a couple of months you end up making a sandal that suits your you know your design hmm. fits your design and um and that was just—it was just an amazing experience. And that then straight away signed up for the shoe course and boot course. And with each course that you do, you, the the elements of the of difficulty increase, right. the complexity increases. You start to learn new skill new
0: new aspects of the of the the shoe construction. Hmm. Amazing. So so you finish that course, you get the bug that you want to make shoes now. Um we walked in we walked we walked well when we walked into your home we saw your little shoe shop back there and you had that boot that you made which I think looks so cool um super flexible Thanks, looks man. like a foot um kind of like a I, it's one of those things where you know I went to visit Braxton in, in Kauai and you know you see what goes into actually making something by hand uh, that you can wear on your foot and I definitely had a much deeper appreciation of the amount of work and craftsmanship and dedication and precision um that goes into making something like that so I have a better template for what goes into making that boot that we saw when we walked in and I just think it's so cool to make something with your hand that protects your body without damaging it and so um so now that you've now that you've got the bug you've got some tools uh what's the plan for um for for making footwear like what is what do you foresee that becoming uh, do you want to continue doing it do you want to scale it up um you know what are the intentions because i'm, I'm always very curious of people doing amazing things especially when it comes to feet and footwear because the need is there
1: cheers no it is it's cool um so that that when i um, posted that um uh, some pictures of that first sandal that i made i got some great feedback and one of the one of the people that passed some comments was braxton don't know how don't know how he picked it up but it came under his radar he passed some comments and I was like cool that's the uh, way of a guy because i knew i knew of his sandals already because you know i'm right. sort of a footwear enthusiast and and um and we sort of exchanged some messages over the the following sort of months and you know we just sort of became kind of pen pals friends or whatever you know right so the future for me then is um, a few months ago, um, Braxton's approached me about uh, an initiative he's got going, which is a slow slow shoemaking initiative, yep. where he's looking at basically having people around the world um, that are going to make his sandals mm-hmm. on his uh, you know uh, and, and and represent his brand in their home country, and mm-hmm. um, be homegrown artisans that try their best to source home produced products yep. or support ho- local businesses. Um, And serve the local market. So, Braxton, as well, is so big on customer service. Right. You know, that, um, and he knows that the best way to deliver the best customer service is to have that person that made it as nearby as possible. Right. Just allows any issues, advice testing input communications you know you know what time differences are like it's it's you know it just it's it just reduces all those barriers and, and just it will just enable it you know a really cool
0: experience and to help spread the word and it's a more responsible way of making things right it avoids you having to ship things across the world sourcing materials from all over the world um you know i speak to braxton every week and he's he it's it's just, it just aligns with kind of what, even what we're doing and you talk about the customer service, customer service is everything, right? People buy things from you because, because of the relationship they have with you, right? The experience that they get when they purchase one of your products, which is really just a way for them to vote that they believe in what you uh, make or sell, you know, whether it's the function of that product, but also just the values that you exude, you know, like we always try and make sure that footwear is function first, it's well-made, you know, and, and we try and just provide the best experience possible. And if there's an issue with something, we do our best to take care of it. And I think, you know, Braxton is the total end of the continuum where it's the most um, direct form of customer service, where you're literally talking to the person whose hands made your shoes. Um, and that's a very powerful thing. So I think it's so cool with this slow shoemaking initiative uh, and you being part of that to be able to serve the Australian market, who is, you know, the weather here is beautiful all year round. The market for sandals and um, is massive. And I think as people become better informed and they realize that the way to vote with how you think sh- things should be done is with your dollars and where you place them and what you buy. And uh, if you think that footwear should be made in a way that's more responsible, that is a higher quality and is more of a custom um, kind of fit or a custom process based on your unique foot at that point in time, um, then then that is the exact solution to, that, to the problem of not being able to find quality footwear that's made in the way that reflects your values um Absolutely. and i think that's super cool so yeah. you'll uh, are you gonna make the kukini or are you gonna-, gonna make the kukini and the trail runner
1: as well so we've been cool. sort of having weekly calls as well i've been um making shoes for all the kids for my wife for uh, you, you know, know just, just just basically. Just, you know, there's so many, until you see what Braxton does, or until you learn she-making yourself, you don't really, there's so many subtleties, so many little things that, you know, one person does in a particular way. And and right. I want to do, you know, I just think his brand is, is so unique. And so, you know, it represents such a cool thing that I want to make sure that I do it justice. So we've gone through, you know, every single stage of the process, practice, and practice and practice. You know, obviously, I'd invested already, invested a lot of time and money myself in learning shoemaking skills, but that right. those are not his processes. So it's still learning, you know, right. how how he does stuff. And it's been it's been really cool just to to be talking every week with somebody. He's you know he's such a cool guy, he's such a yeah. nice person to talk to, as well as so knowledgeable, informative. That it's just been that's been a cool just a really really cool thing that and um you know sort of w- i'm about to finish up the final pair that we're then going to send over to, to Bra- ship over to braxton and then um, and then that'll probably be us starting off so um, very cool
0: and then yeah. after that are you going to get into shoes and and boots like are you going to get in different kinds of footwear uh, so after
1: so I, I, alongside that, um, I'm also going to be launching my own so sandals as well. I, cool. you know, so I'm, I I mean I've, I'm basically barefoot in Australia. It's 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 so barefoot friendly around here. Right, you, you, you know you don't look out of place in, in your bare feet. So I don't have to worry about that at all. Um, but if I do wear shoes and or I do wear footwear, then it, it's sandals. So um, cool. so I'm going to start with a sandal. Um, and, the, and the sandal design that I did originally was kind of you know I spent a long time. Looking at what was available, looking at what other people did, and I didn't want to just simply make something that just added more noise to the you know to the market. I wanted to, to produce something that adds value, is something that's unique, and and provides people with a different option to what's already available. Right so um and, and the you know so that, that's the um so, so i'm going to be uh starting to really uh, make those pretty soon and uh, release that um as, as, a, as a product and i'm pretty excited about that as well because that's obviously my own um cool. my own thing as well Well, i'll have to
0: send you a foot racing and i'll be one of the i'll get on your waiting list as one of the first people to get a pair because i uh I'm a big fan of things that are made uniquely. Um, I love wearing sandals. Even in the winter, I wear sandals. I don't yeah. care. Um, and uh so yeah, I'll have to we'll have to chat after this. Maybe I'll mail you back that memory card along with the foot tracing and be one of the yep, first customers. Of, yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> cool. No, that that'd be really cool. Very um, cool. So and then so I think I'm really looking forward to seeing where you know, your shoemaking endeavors go with, and and your company is Bear Human Tribe, Mm -hmm. right? That's going to be the footwear company. That's going to be the name of the footwear company. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, one thing we talked about is, is the fact that that means more than just footwear. And, you know, one of these endeavors that we've been kind of um, corresponding with emails about, and I think this adventure that you're on in line with, you know, life is an adventure, just go and do it, is the switch from, sending your kids to a school versus taking basically the primary role in how your kids are educated, or how your kids grow up. Um, like you said, your wife um, has a job that, that she works at and you, you are the person that essentially is responsible for the home, responsible for the kids. And, um, you know, how did, how did the decision to educate your kids in a, in a non-traditional way come about? Because it sounds like it was by necessity. You just didn't want to see them go in the traditional education system, which we know very well. puts kids in an environment that doesn't align with their biology, right? We make them sit in chairs; they wouldn't be sitting otherwise. Um, we make them learn things that are monotonous and boring. It basically you're sending them to work. Um, you're sending them to a place where it doesn't, it isn't actually a rich environment for children to learn in. Um, and you know whether I think most people don't realize that, obviously. But even the ones that do, it's a hard thing to change. So, how are you doing it differently? And what was the what? When was when did you make the decision to to do that? Because that's a big decision. Yeah, absolutely, no, and it was a big decision. It
1: and it wasn't uh, you know again, it's, it's sort of little chance things. Um, heard a podcast about unschooling. Um, Ben Greenfield, a lot of people know, well, uh, he he uh, he now unschools his sons, and he was chatting to a a lady that uh, a big advocate of unschooling. I, I forget her name right now, but it's uh, her book that they were talking about. It's called Unschooling to University, and she talked about basically how uh, this this group of thirty kids in Canada, um, she followed them through from from uh, kindergarten age, or from from birth through to university, and showed that unschooling can deliver. Um, as good uh, results academically um, and, and as good um, learning outcomes as a conventional education.
0: So when someone says unschooling, how do you define that?
1: Unschooling is basically it's child-led learning. It's, it's asking the child wow, what they're interested terrible. in and it's then creating a learning environment around them for them to succeed or for them just to try even you know sometimes kids get into something five minutes later they're done with it well so what they've tried it they know if it was a mistake move on you learned you know what i mean um so child-led learning i think wow that is that is so amazing No, it really is, and it just, it opens up the opportunity. You know, there's a guy, Robert Green, wrote something that really stuck with me. Um, When you force a child to learn, they maybe retain 10% of what it is. When you think back to school, how much can you actually retain of what you learned? It's very, very little. Yes. But when you allow a human to actively choose what they want to learn, they have an emotional connection to the process. And that emotional connection means that they're far more interested. They have far greater levels of curiosity. They'll go deeper. They'll think about it. When they go into sleep, it goes through the mind. And it sinks into the subconscious and it makes that difference to, the, to their learning. And it, that doesn't mean that you, you know, when you say child learning, you let them pick what they want to do. Um, you know, that they're going to do, you sort of do crazy, wacky things. I'll give you an example. Um, so my eldest daughter's passionate about animals. So she wanted to do, uh, she wanted to start an animal shelter. So I knew of a patch of land where the house we used to live at that was for sale beside it. So I says, imagine, let's say we bought that land. How would you start your animal shelter? And that's it. That's created weeks and weeks of work. She's effectively created a business plan. But in the process of doing that, I've given her dimensions of a field. So she's done scale drawings with pencil and ruler. Um, I've then said, well, how many how many dogs are you going to have in this area? Well, she had to then research, um, you know, the, the kennel in requirements for a ten kilo dog, a twenty kilo dog, a thirty kilo dog. But fortunately, the website she found uh, it was an American website, so it was all in feet, inches, pounds. Um, so, she, so we had to do conversion. So we ended up so I mean, math. doing maths. And yep. um, we so we did geography with the scaling. We've done maths with that. I, I then said, hey, do you know what? There's a really cool thing I used to mess around with when I was doing house renovations called Google SketchUp. Why don't we ever play with that? So she's created a three-dimensional, um, uh, you know, interactive sort of model of the. It's blocky, but it's fine. It works, so she can see the kennels. She can see where she walks them. So she, she's done that. And um, we've done some branding. So we've worked, talked about logos. What would you want out of a logo? So we've gone onto the Shopify website and used that Hatchify Me or whatever it's called, that the hmm. logo generator on Shopify. She she's picked a color scheme. We went to Bunnings. We picked the paint, um, you know, colors and stuff like that. Um, I asked her about roles and responsibilities, how the jobs are going to go. So she's thinking socially about how people can, can you know, can work and, and, and uh, insurances.
0: And um, we've done. Um, Dude, this is insane. Man, this is done- how, like adults can't do this these days this (laughs) this this is it
1: so so we've done um and the other thing we've done is like effectively like a pseudo profit and loss thing where and and so we've talked about fixed costs if we if we borrowed the things we've introduced interest how quickly you're going to repay the loan if you're borrowing twenty thousand pounds to buy this you know how how long is it going to take you to but i've also helped her with that you know that's that's quite advanced sort of math for for a a nine-year-old to sort of get the head around but you know they're all learning opportunities but all this is done under the premise that she's starting an animal shelter. She's not doing math. She's not doing it. So I'm persuasive writing as well. We've got, we visited the RSPCA centre here at Sydney as well. We looked around, we, we, you know, we sort of, and then we wrote about that. We took pictures, um, you know, and, and, and on the other things, well, working out the amount of food they need to eat. Do you know what I mean? So I, I, I'm working out cost flow, uh, you know, cash flow, um, and all of those sorts of things, um, making her aware of what it actually takes to, to do something like this.
0: And she wanted to do it. And she. This wanted is what she, to do it. she she wanted to do this. And her education was about understanding the complexities, which involves math, which involves, um, you know, sketching, which involves spatial dimensions and all this kind of stuff Um, and research, right? Mm -hmm. Like going to RSPCA is research to find out how to do this. You're covering all of the bases that we learn, that kids learn through like forced, boring learning indirectly through something that she has a a direct sense of purpose and, and was part of the decision to actually do. That is insanely powerful. That's it, man. And, and that's the thing, you know, in, we think there's no other option
1: outside of school. And one of the most powerful conversations I had was actually with the headmistress of the school. We briefly had them at school here. And um, I went to see the headmistress and I explained to her what I wanted to do. And she was one of the most powerful proponents for what I was doing. She said, there's there's lo- lo- so many ways to lo- school is not the only way to learn how to get th- through life. And what I was proposing to do sounded like, you know, the right sort of thing for, for what I wanted my kids to do. Uh, achieve so
0: because your kids aren't going to school they're getting an education yeah those are not the same thing
1: that's it i mean every thursday we try and pick a new wild swimming spot you know who, who, who gets to do that you know <laughs> it's and, and but part of that is the education so we you know if i'm if i'm taking them to do something cool like that then i will stack up the podcast or i'll stack up the audible things or i'll stick a, a, a language learning thing and so we'll be learning spanish as we try our, our neighbor's chilean so you know so we're learning spanish you know and, and if they were at school they wouldn't be learning that right you know and 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 one of our friends at home Spanish we used to holidays so there's this context for the learning rather than just simply you know here's here's a textbook, off you go, there's so many ways to learn,
0: yeah, and I remember you said that when you first started out um you know you you it sounded like you had some resistance because you were basically trying to model the school approach at home where you do, you know, a couple of blocks, you do 20 minutes of learning in the morning and then you would get them to go outside and play for 20 minutes, which is a form of learning, very probably the most powerful form of learning, playing, climbing, you know, your backyard looks like a jungle gym and a playground. Um, but you kind of mentioned that it was hard for them to dissociate. You know, I wake up in the morning. This is my home. I play in the living room. But now I'm expected to think of this room as a place for work to try and jam things into my brain that I might not want to learn. And um and and you kind of just mentioned that flipping the switch to then letting them decide what they want to put their energy into and guiding them. You know, and I talked about that book, The Carpenter Versus the Gardener. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the actual title, but it's a really good book about parenting and how they talk about how you know, the best way to raise a child is not to try and design them a specific way, right? Like, an, like a carpenter builds a house, according to a schematic, according to a blueprint in a specific way. And I think we, we've gotten to this thing, like, I don't have kids, so I, I don't have a first perspective, but it seems like a lot of the feedback I get is parents are trying to put their kids into this mold of what the script is for what a kid should be or what a kid should do. Um, and in this book, they talk about how, you know, the gardener doesn't actually tell the plant how to grow. The gardener just provides all the nutrients needed for a plant to grow in whatever way the plant needs to grow. Um, And I think it's a powerful analogy for kids in that if you provide the nutrients and some of the guidance, right, like you have to um, put the plant in the right spot to make sure it gets the right sunlight, you have to feed it nutrients, water, you have to groom it. So you do have to provide guidance and you have to provide the right environment and the right conditions for that plant to grow. But the plant grows in whatever shape, in whatever way it wants. And I think kids, if they're given the opportunity and given um, a little bit of guidance and the right environment, they will learn what they want to learn and they'll do it, like you said, much, it'll be done much more effectively because it's actually something they have a personal interest in. It's not something that's forced on them. Um, And even like personal finance, like teaching, you know, about money. No one learns about money in high school. Like I remember my girlfriend was like, we don't learn about credit cards. We don't learn about bank accounts, about mortgages, about income tax. None of this is taught to us in high school, let alone primary school, um, even at a basic level, right? Like why isn't the math that we teach relevant to the math that we're gonna encounter later in life? these things seem so simple and and easy to implement because they're already teaching those subjects, but they just don't get covered. So I think, you know, you're giving your daughter a, an education for how to live a life as an adult human beyond just random stuff. You're giving her an education on how, to, like how to run a business, how to go through the process. And that's, That's amazing and I think it's I have no doubt it's not easy at all but it is so that seems like that's the way to do it that's the best way to raise human offspring to be the best possible human who is best prepared to live successfully a happy life that 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 literally just prepares them
1: absolutely no that's um you know another example of what they did actually um friday i was making some shoes and uh, the, everything went quiet and um one of them came down to get some ice and basically they'd taken they're into making smoothies at the moment they made a pile of smoothies took them up to the side of the road and were trying to do their own equivalent of a lemonade stand but they were doing a <laughs> smoothie stand and they got uh, they got they got a sale uh, a guy pulled over and commended he first of all he commended me because I, I was up there sort of supervising once i realized what was going on from afar and um he commended i was like i had nothing to do with this mate. this is all self-started um, and he's like well, well done to you guys then and uh, so they done the first bit of cash um with that and then then um you know another guy pulled by and, and sort of uh, bartered with them and swapped a, a bag of uh, walnuts for a smoothie as well so it's <laughs> those just- are delicious walnuts i was eating them tonight <laughs> no so it was cool, but it just shows that by just just showing them a different way a different path that life doesn't have to follow the way that everybody else what everybody else does right you know you don't you don't have to do that and it's so hard though i mean i'm constantly still fighting my own internal battle of right what's gonna what if they when they're 16 and they turn around and say dad why did you do that to me i don't know whatever i don't have to solve cubic equations i can't solve quadratic <laughs> equations or whatever okay. it might be, be right real.
0: no like, one's ever going to say that exactly none you of know your what? kids are going to say well,
1: that. well that's the thought it goes through but um but you know, i just i got to go back to the fact that you know what does a human need to thrive and, and what yeah. you know it's only in the last 200 years we've had schools prior to that kids were with the parents were with the families right. that, was with the the school. that was the tribe that was the
0: passover of knowledge it was through your parents it was through your family and like it's in just the fact that they're not sitting in chairs all day that they're not given free reign over technology and i think your kids your three kids are amazing they are so smart and like even your daughter was like yeah i only go on the ipad um maybe once a week i'm only allowed to go on it once a week and she's like you know what i don't even want to go on it more than once a week because it's not really something i like to do and i was like Oh my goodness! You are more woke than most thirty-year-olds I know. Because and you know, just simple things. I think you're you're doing an amazing job educating them because your kids are incredible and just, they're Jesus, so smart. And and just the fact that they're allowed to go outside, interact with nature, right? Play around in the in the dirt. Go on a slack line. Climb a rope. Climb a tree. Um, that's an education. That's a movement education. That's how kids learn best. That's how their brains work best. We know this, but we just don't do it because we see you know, the edifice of school as something that's so tightly ingrained that that's how it is. That's mm-hmm. the only way it can be. There's no other way. And I'm not saying it's an easy solution to solve that at a mass scale, but it takes people like yourself that aren't, that are, that basically have the courage to be like, this isn't going to be easy, but it's so important that I I just have to try. Um, it's, that's extremely empowering for other people to hear because it lets them know that, you know, and, and not everyone can do this, mind you, right? Not everyone can um, stay at home. Some people are struggling struggling yep. to pay their bills. But, you know, also it's like if you have a massive house and a bunch of cars um, and you have to work all day to pay for that and you can't see your kids. Well, you know, it's a, it's a part of it is just like you got to sometimes reevaluate your value structure, right? Like if you could live more modestly and see your kids for twice the time and play a role in their education instead of just sending them to school. I don't know. That seems like a pretty good trade off to me.
1: Absolutely, you know, so a lot of people do have issues they've got to deal with. They've got bills to pay, but then other, others don't. I've, I've regularly had the comment people say that we're, we're incre- how lucky I am to be able to have this this option. But you know, th- this option came out of design. You know, we decided many years ago that we were never going to overspend. We didn't need uh, any of these sort of fancy things, and we would always, you know, sort of live a fairly basic life. Which means that we're able to, you know, sort of take the option for one of us to not have to work, so we can right. spend it with the kids, you know, and. Um, it's no judgment to people that, that choose not to do that. But, you know, it's just that's what we decided. So right. I, I say it's less luck and more by design. And if you want really want to do something, you can go ahead and get it done. Do you know right. what I
0: mean? And that's, that's what people have to hear because they don't actually know. It's like we talk about in the seminar how without awareness, you can't actually change things. Right. Without an awareness that this is possible, that other people are doing it. They're not, you're not special, right? You just made the decision of what matters and you designed your life around what matters to you, right? Like Felix in Germany. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, people, I remember people at the seminar that he came to in, in the UK were like, what do you do for work? And he unequivocally, without hesitation, every time said, I'm a father and that's his job. Absolutely. And that's more important to him. You know, he works in order to make enough money um, to support his family. And he, you know, he has to pay for food. He has to pay for a home. Um, but he lives simply. And he spends every day with his kids. And he's extremely happy. He's happier than most people that I know. And he just chose to live his life outside of the common script that everyone ascribes to. And that is actually, I think, drilled into us in school. It's funny because like your kids getting an education at home will probably affect the fact that they're not going to be exposed to this script that we think we all have yeah, to follow. You know, if they want to go to university, they can go. But they've lived a life that is probably going to be a much better framework and create a much better template for how they're going to live their life with their kids, um, et cetera. And that's really how change happens is just um, bringing up a generation with a different mindset of whatever you want to do, you can do. Things are hard. They involve work. You have to put in the work. It's not easy. But what you wanted, if you want to open an animal shelter, you can do it. Yep, and let's talk about the tools that you would need to do that um, and use that as the way to, for you to get an education on all the topics you need to know to get into university, but making them relevant to what what their purpose is, right? What they are gravitating to. That's Because um, it, it's really... It seems like all the STEM stuff, like the science, the math, the English, is really what's pushed on kids in school and the arts and the, the physical side is yeah. really not emphasized and, and not focused on. And, I, a, so- and it, it creates a limited... Um, array of choices for kids just but not even by their own choosing it's almost like it's yeah. chosen for them it,
1: it's a, it's an educational hierarchy you know it's like maths the STEM subjects are the most important ones and then even within the lo- you know as you go down the list and you go with the next humanities and then you've got languages and then finally arts sits at the bottom and then even with that in, in that there's a hierarchy do you know what I mean and right. it's like and this sort of links to things like you know PE day and stuff like that. In the UK, they've gotten to the, the point where kids, you know, because they, uh, they don't want kids to fail, you, you don't race on P, uh, the, the sports day anymore because <laughs> you can't have a loser and a winner. But if your kid is the kid that's the best runner in the school, and that is their thing, that's the only thing they do. Why would
0: you take that away from them?
1: That is their day to shine. That is the day to feel proud and be happy. Right. And and just because it puts puts somebody else has to lose, you know. But losing's but that's part of life, man. For sure,
0: dude. If you never if you never let kids lose, you can guarantee they're going to lose many times in life if they've ever been exposed to that it turns into something that's crushing because they've never learned to deal with failure. Failure is part, every single day you, you will face failure. And if you're not, if that's not exposed to you as a, at a young age so that you know how to deal with it and know that if I fail, it's actually a way that I can learn how to do better next time, right? It's all this context of like, we, we make such a big deal of losing that we're literally teaching kids that losing is bad. Losing is not bad. It's, this, it's the environmental nudge that allows you to improve or better yet, find what you're good at which is different than running, right? Losing at running is an indicator that maybe I'm not into running, maybe I'm not a great runner, but I'm a really good baseball player or I'm a really good um, artist or I can make pottery really well. like let them find their groove by losing at certain things and eliminating those options as things that they're good at. Cause everyone can be good at something. And in the world of the internet, we have value to give to some group of people in the world. Um, and we just have to know that it's not these shit jobs that we take because we feel we need to. Oh, man. Um, you know, how it. did you like, what allowed you to have the open-mindedness to do this? Like, did you grow? Did you have an upbringing that was that was reflective of this? Like, where did you get this mindset from? Because well, this my, is very uncommon. Mine's the exact antithesis, man. Mine was I,
1: I. found school very easy, so mine was just like straight A, just easy peasy, just sit exams. I was, I, you know, I basically learned how to pass exams, you know, and that was it, and I flew through school. <laughs> so it's the, it's the exact opposite, really. So and, I, and this probably part of the internal battle that I sort of, you know, I go through, sort of challenging myself: Am I doing the right thing? Because um, you know, but what really you know, it's, it's not really any one thing. You know, if I I started to take. It's, it's, it's analogous to the shoes. It's analogous to um, you know, to 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 just challenging um, you know the the norms and, and and the commonality and realizing you know there's different ways to do things.
0: Just asking so, questions, really.
1: And but sort of so you know, I heard that podcast with Ben Greenfield. I realized I wasn't happy with my kids sitting 35 hours a week indoors in artificial lighting. You know, I just knew that was wrong. Right. Um, so that's like, that That starts to then pull me in one direction. And I'm like, I'm having to, my son's not getting the one-on-one teaching that, that I think he needs to get with his reading. So I'm doing it at night anyway. And then, you know, you sort of, you know, kids, you know, kids are kids. So you sort of, you're seven o'clock, you shout, everybody get up, then you're rushing them. So, you know, these days, kids are rushed around everywhere. So the kid's getting up, rushing about, jumping the car, drive to school. Then there's this whole new modern thing of, um, after school care, fear of missing out. You know, you hear someone next to you say, oh, my kids just started Mandarin grade, seven and you know you think oh god I haven't even started Mandarin yeah I need to get going with that uh, you know so the kids got literally just <laughs> like a lineup of extracurricular activities
0: whether they, they want to do it or want to, not
1: and they spend most of the time and sat in the car after they've sat all day at school they're sat in the car being driven around to sit in another place to do a thing then they inhale the dinner at the end of the day and they whoosh, they turn off and they get some screen time and they go to bed it's a fairly you know I don't think it's an unfair sort of um, sort of appraisal of, of a lot of no, kids lives I think and, that's and I saw that come in my mind and I was like, this is Wrong, man. We shouldn't be rushing about these are kids. The best memories that I had from a kid were, were camping, were outside. Were, were, were they were always relaxed, happy, easygoing memories, right. not turning around like a lunatic, getting <laughs> from school to martial arts to yeah. swimming to football to you know and all these things. And I just thought, wait a minute. Now if we take the school out of the equation, if we can school in a few hours a day or however it works, this was before I sort of had the unschooling idea. Um, you know, at least then there's a bit of space to breathe and a bit of space to actually do stuff and explore this country that we're in, you know what I mean? And just oh, explore life. I love it. And um, and that sort of, you know, that and, and the impact of, of other kids as well, you know, sort of the thinking that they, you hear kids these days, you know, unsort un- un of limited, and this again is not passing judgment. People do whatever, people make their own choices. That's uh, And know, everyone's
0: doing the best that they can with uh, what exactly. they've got.
1: Everyone, you, you know, and that's, that, that should not be understated. You know, it, it really has to be, you know, people are doing the best that they can yeah. in the situation they're in. Um, but, you know, access to YouTube, kids are getting access to things that they just shouldn't be able to get these days with the internet at certain ages. I and, agree. Then, and, and and you hear things in the play, not necessarily to do with even YouTube, but I was hearing kids, they were clearly repeating stuff that parents, you know, they couldn't have thought of things, the things they were saying themselves. So they had to either hear somebody else saying it or have heard it somewhere else. And I just don't feel, I feel like as part of school as well, as a kind of protect, you know, you, you, your child, there's, there's certain stages you learn things in life. And, you, you know, you can have an open-mindedness to education, but you also got to have a bit of common sense as well. You, you don't want to sort of be, you know, you, 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 there's certain things you want to keep out of your child's life for a period until they're mature enough to be able to understand it in the way that it should be understood. Yes. And when you get another child sort of delivering that message, it's like, but, but you know, wait a minute. You know, I, I, how, how do you sort of stop this? Um, and, and that's not me trying to sort of shield my kids from, from exposure, but just having a little bit. That was just another slight thing, but it was just having a bit of awareness and common sense that, other people's choices on how they raise their kids actually affect how I raise my kids because yes. they're learning. I don't have that. And I don't need to control them. They're not my kids, they're, they're, they're humans. They're yeah, their but you're own. protecting them. I, but I don't I, think I, you I'm, should
0: mix up the two because you're not sheltering them from things that they should be exposed to. You're sheltering them from bullshit that other parents might not be, might not understand their kids are being exposed to. Mm -hmm. And then those kids are essentially forming the direct environment that's forming your kids' thoughts, that's forming your kids' understanding of the world. Um, And I agree 100% with it. You're just playing, you're basically parenting. You're parenting your children by protecting them from things that you know aren't right for them to be exposed to. Um, And that, you know, in the age of iPads and iPhones, that most parents have no... Control, you know that is essentially. So if your kid's crying, you give them a soother. The iPad and the iPhone turns into the soother. When your kid acts out, you're just like, oh, just take this and be off. And that that's messed up. It is. And do you know the cool thing about iPads they don't make mess.
1: iPads are really easy to tidy up. You know what I mean? And you and I'm right, not saying people right. are consciously making that choice. Right. But unconsciously, you're experiencing that benefit, and you sort of you've got to have that level of sort of being the observer to actually see. You know that that's you know sometimes. The, you know, the, the, the easier option when, when, you know, perhaps it shouldn't be, right. you know what I mean? So- we know that
0: comfort's a killer. The easier option, the lazy thinking, um, the, you know, sitting on a couch versus actually moving. Like we know that the easy option that is good in the short term is never, is almost never good in the long term. It's almost, it's usually bad in the long term. So letting your kid paint something and there's paint everywhere and there's shit everywhere you have to clean up. Well, that's a lot more fulfilling for that kid than just letting them go on YouTube. Absolutely.
1: Um, Or stick the finger on a screen to draw the thing instead of, you know, rather than slapping the paint. It's
0: just, well, Phil, I think what you're doing is incredible. I think what you're doing with shoes is amazing. Like I said, we've got to trace my foot because I want to be one of the first customers to, to get a pair of those. Um, I think your story with barefoot running is very inspiring and could maybe act as a template for some people to be open-minded that maybe the shoes you wear can be affecting how you move and you have nothing to lose by just trying the movement of running without uh, without shoes. And obviously, shoes aren't the only thing that affect the way we run, but they truly do affect the way we move. And especially with running, it can come at a cost. Um, and I think this whole unschooling thing and this adventure that you're on with your kids and Giving them a true education instead of just sending them to school uh, is extremely courageous, and I, I I don't have kids yet, but I will eventually, and I think um, I think you'll be getting a lot of phone calls when I eventually <laughs> have kids to find out, you know, how did you do this? And 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 it sounds so fulfilling and just um like i said as someone that's not a parent i obviously don't take the perspective of saying that i know uh anything about this uh but i just i don't think it takes a whole lot or or even to have kids to understand that this is a better way of providing an environment for for young humans to grow up Mm -hmm. um to be healthy physically to be healthy mentally to have a fulfilled childhood where they grow up feeling empowered that they can do what they want and they can learn the skills to accomplish things um but that isn't being given to them in the traditional school systems, and obviously the hope is that the mainstream changes. But I think the biggest way to ensure that your kids are exposed to what you what is best for them is to actually play an active role um, and maybe engineer your lifestyle so that you know maybe it's not all day, but maybe you spend two hours more with your kids per day and work two hours less by having a less uh, a not as nice of a car mm-hmm. or or not having a brand new fridge or having a boat you know like having a jet ski or having a kid that you spend two extra hours with a day like I, I really don't think that should be it's a reflection of our junk values that we've developed in society where we want the things but we don't really value the things that really should matter which yeah. is our relationship to the environment or, or our kids or our health um Anyway, man, it's been an incredible day. I, cool. I th- I'm very appreciative for everything you did for me and James today. It was a joy hanging out with your kids. Uh, amazing meal. Amazing time hanging out. And uh, I look forward to doing another podcast around this time next year when I'm back and hear how the whole thing's gone. And um, be wearing a pair of uh, of bear, bear Human Tribe footwear. So, cool. so if people want to look up um, your footwear endeavors, I think you should do a blog and hopefully eventually... You 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 know you're a perfect fit for the Footner tribe, and I think eventually we want to have something like a parenting module or something like that. Where um, you know, in the meantime, if you put a blog up somewhere, I would read all of them, and I'm sure a lot of people that listen to this would also, um, even if it's just to document your journey and the struggles, and um, you know, who knows how many people that reaches. But anyway, let people know where they can find uh, your footwear, where they can find more about you if they want to learn more. Um, yeah. So the, the handle is at Bear Human Tribe for
1: uh, for Instagram and cool. uh website is uh bearhumans.com.
0: Bearhumans.com. Yep. So B-A-R-E-Humans.com.
1: Now there's another I'll share a little, little last link that we've got on the card you say what's in the future. Um so we're um we're gonna be looking at starting a t-shirt brand, um, myself and the kids, um in, in the coming sort of weeks. And um that's gonna probably be Bear Human Wear, And um that is gonna be basically um
0: is that part of their education? Part of their education. We're going to, <laughs> I so, love it. So
1: it's just when you mentioned about the blog. So what I'm going to do is that part of their education is going to be within the blog. We're going to do a bit like... I don't know if some people might be familiar with Pat Flynn, a smart passive income guy. He he uh, months. Uh, get, publishes his monthly financial reports on his blog and he has a very transparent sort of uh, company structure and, and and shows how his income comes in and I want to do something similar with that um, so what, what it is we're going to be producing some t-shirts that sort of in, in the first stage um, are going to sort of uh, display some of the, I, you know, I like t-shirts to give me some sort of a sense of identity portray what it is I'm trying to the, yes, the message I'm trying to put out to the world. So we're going to be just some simple messages, the virtues and things that we're trying to instill in ourselves, kind of like daily affirmations written down on my chest, so I can remember what it is I'm trying to do as a human. Very cool. Um, and what we're going to do is split that money um, with a charity. Um, we've got a few that we're sort of uh, chatting with, just DMing at the moment, just to see which one we'll go with, and who knows how this will go yet. Uh, and then we're going to keep fifty percent um, for 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 ourselves as sort of a travel fund for the kids. So basically, they can work towards getting something, and then we'll go and visit perhaps visit the charity or visit the country that um the person uh, that, that charity sort of uh, exists in or whatever Amazing. and i just think you know blogging that the kids are going to be writing the blog articles the kids are going to be doing the uh, the financials and um and sort of working towards just teaching them some really cool life skills that they wouldn't <laughs> otherwise get
0: very powerful bill thanks again uh you know i hope everyone enjoyed this chat sorry about that little uh, snafu with the um With the memory card running out but we'll patch that together our guys at tfc media are wizards with that and uh thanks for listening hope you benefited from it and maybe this can you know put a little piece of uh, a little seed in your mind that maybe things it is possible to do things differently and there can always be a better way of doing things whatever that means for the context of your own life Uh, but anyway thanks for listening we'll catch you next week